0: Welcome to STR Unfiltered,
1: where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit. Here is your host, Bill Faith. Hey, Short-Term Rental Pros, this is Bill Faith. I want to tell you about a secret weapon that I've been using for quite some time to build my email list. There's nothing that does it faster and also helps us relieve the dependence on the OTAs, the Airbnb and VRBO, then StayFi. If you've never heard of StayFi, it's just it's a platform that connects to your router to where when guests check in, not just the booking guests, but every guest, they log into it to access your Wi-Fi. Just like when you stay at a hotel or you'd walk into a coffee shop. It's super simple. There's no friction. But most importantly, this allows you to grow your email list by your occupancy rate and not just by the booker. So you can do it four times faster, six times faster, or in my case, 10 to 15 times faster. There is a reason that I do 41% direct bookings. It's because I use a platform like StayFi to build my email list so fast, and then I have my 200-day funnel to go in and actually bring them back to stay with me again and again. Impressive, right? So here's the bonus. No contracts needed. All you need to do is use my name, the code Bill, B-I-L-L, for an exclusive 50% off your first three months with StayFi. And this is not just about attracting new guests. It's about transforming one-time visitors into lifelong ambassadors and return guests. So check it out, StayFi. It's my secret weapon, and I want it to be yours as well. Look, to lock in your StayFi discount and start cultivating your engaged guest list, go to stayfi.com bill. That's stayfi.com bill. Yep, that's my name. And watch your booking soar. Hey everybody, welcome back to STR Unfiltered. I'm really excited today as we've got a very special guest, a relatively new friend of mine, Stephen Pesavento. Stephen is one of the founders of Von Finch Capital. Stephen has purchased over 200 short-term rentals. I think he said 1,200 multifamily units. He has over a $50 million fund that he manages. And he's just an absolute rock star and genius into the real estate investing platform. So I don't wanna take up any more of your time. So I wanna put the star of the show up here. Steven, how are you today, my friend? I'm doing really good. It's good to see you again, Bill. Yeah, my pleasure. So I probably completely botched your entire intro. So why don't you just kind of take two to three minutes? Cause you do a lot of stuff. I'm mainly focused into the short-term rental space. You've got your hands in a lot of things. You've been doing it one year longer than I have. I think you said you started back in 2013, 14. So kind of just introduce yourself and uh, let the audience know who, who the man is behind the good hair.
0: Yeah, well, my name's Steven Pesavento. I started Von Finch Capital nearly a decade ago. Uh, but before I ever started, you know, I started doing short-term rentals. I actually had my own personal home that I was renting at the time. And I went out of town to go and visit a friend Well, a girl that I had met and I got paid to go on that trip and it really changed my whole outlook. I quickly got a couple more properties back in the day. Uh, we call it arbitrage now, but back in the day I was just leasing properties, getting a master lease and then turning around and I was grossing a ton of money. And I was using that money to start another business. And it was after about a year of working on that other business, I was like, I'm making so much more money doing this thing. That's just a side hustle should really dive deeper into real estate. So quickly kind of shifted gears, ended up moving into the single family flipping space, bought over 200 properties in about two and a half years in two different states that I didn't live in, uh, built that business up and then realized the ability to scale in single family is very tough. So we started you know, selling off those single family properties and started buying, you know, two to 300 unit multifamily buildings, bought over 1200 units in the last few years and have raised a, you know, a significant fund. And, you know, as we continue to see what's changing in the market, we keep changing our strategy because, you know, very opportunistic. One of the things that I hated about the short term game is how quickly those regulations can change. But it's the same truth no matter what industry you're in. You
1: have to be on top of it and and specialize and go deep. There's a lot more protection if you get into the apartment game or you can even get a, a hotel permit, isn't there? It's it's interesting to me, Stephen, and you and I on our podcast, we have a lot of investors, we do a lot of podcasts, that type of stuff. Your progression is very natural to the way my progression has been and really the people that ascend to the top of the real estate investing Uh, You know, so you use the term opportunistic, but people go from starting with a single family home, a condo, you started arbitraging, right? Then you move into single family homes. And then it always ends up being in some sort of fashion of multifamily. You use the the, the, the term opportunistic. And I think a lot of people look at that as a negative term. And the asset classes switch. They change. The best asset classes to invest into, they kind of migrate with the economy, right? So kind of talk about how you decide which asset class to invest into, because most of my community that I'm introducing you to today are still short-term rental based. And if they are in multifamily, they're afraid of it a little bit, right? And you don't have to go 200 units like yourself. You can start with eight or a 10 unit, a small boutique hotel, if you will. But what are your recommendations, you know, for somebody that's looking to get started and and how did you ascend to that top level? Well, I think, the way that I started in business was, you
0: know, I worked corporate world for many years. I moved into high growth tech startups because it was a lot more passionate than, than the corporate world. And then quickly moved out of that space into real estate. But at the core of it, I wanted to do entrepreneurship. I wanted to go down that path well before it was the cool thing to do. And I was down to take the risk and put in the hard work and make a lot less money in the short term to try to set something up for the long term, And so the way I would look at it if I was a listener, the way that I looked at it in my career was I got really good at the thing that was right in front of me. It was easier to buy a single family house in my mind than it was to go buy a 200 unit multifamily building. So by doing that, I learned a ton and action was kind of the core of my philosophy. So I did a lot of it, I focused on growth, I focused on scaling and I learned a lot and I learned it very quickly. If you're buying another house every single week when I was buying single family, I was getting those lessons very quickly. Oh, well, this project didn't go well. How can we improve on the next one? And so then as I've naturally grown in my career, I've realized that the bigger the deal that I can put together, it's about the same amount of work as it was to do smaller deals. And so today, even in this market right now, as we're talking in November of 2023, What I've seen is that the 200 unit multifamily market, the prices are high versus if I go down to that smaller where these large funds can't compete, I'm back to getting deals at 20 to 40% discounts. So the core of what I believe opportunistic is all about is it's really a value investing focus. How can I buy something at a deep discount that even if things greatly change in the market, I'm going to be positioned well to be able to at least keep my money, if not be able to create a great profit if things, uh, if the market does shift in the right direction. So that's at the core of it. It's buying something that's at a deep discount, knowing what problems are in the property because the profit comes from solving problems. And so knowing how to solve those and then being able to go out and do it. And so I love real estate because it's a very approachable asset class. It's something everybody has some kind of understanding about. And so, my biggest advice to anybody out there is don't get drawn into thinking, hey, bigger is the only way that I can get started. You get started with what you can and you take action and you do it quickly and you learn and you'll have the opportunity to grow into things. But if I would have jumped right into large multifamily or commercial real estate or large private equity deals, I wouldn't have had the skills and knowledge, let alone the confidence to be able to do what I'm now doing today. I had to build my way up there, and I did that by following in the footsteps of other great people that I was able to learn from.
1: There is so much to unpack there, my friend. Um, a lot of people, kind of the the small-minded people out there would say, oh, well, you must have struggled at 200 units. You're pulling it back to smaller. What, what are you talking about when you, just real quick, when you say smaller, are you talking like 15 to 50? As opposed to 200, what's kind of the the number of units that you're looking at right now? Target sweet spot is
0: between 40 and 80, but I'll buy a 10 unit building right now. We essentially looked at where the market was at and said, hey, where is the deepest discounts available? And right now in Denver to buy a 10 unit property, that's about three to five million dollars. So it's a much more expensive product than somewhere else in the country. So in that three to maybe 15 to $20 million price point, there's not a lot of buyers because these big funds that are in New York and California, they can't afford to operate in this market. So they won't even underwrite these deals. And so then what we're doing is we're really kind of using the rebound effect where we're going and we're putting in offers that are much lower than what the owner's asking. And we're saying, hey, we've got the cash. It's in our fund. We're gonna roll up all these properties together. And after they followed a contract two or three times, they're coming back to us desperate mm-hmm. and the offer keeps going lower every time they talk to us. And so we're getting huge discounts and let alone, we, we've got a couple deals where we got 4% fixed financing on a seller note for five years, 80% loan to purchase price. So as a result of pivoting from these larger properties that have a lot more competition, we're. We we're able to create a lot more value and keep ourselves going and operating the market. So, when those opportunities come back to the larger, which we're starting to see them come back, but not quite at the same discount level that we want to buy, we're still active. We're still underwriting and we still can continue to fund our operations and put our investors' capital to work.
1: That is awesome. You know, I think that the identification of the best asset class. At the current moment, use the, the term opportunist, is what every great real estate investor has. I think the ones that get stuck in the quagmire of the tunnel vision, and they just stay in that singular asset class that they know are the ones that have problems scaling. Would you agree with that?
0: Uh, for sure. Because the truth is there's different strategies that work at different times in the economic cycle. So five years ago, it was great to be able to go direct to seller and hammer them to be able to get a really good deal. So if you're buying a single family home, you'd send a bunch of letters, you'd make a bunch of phone calls, you'd send text messages, you do outbound marketing and you get those people to call you. Right now, you can actually go back on the MLS, see what's not selling and what's way overpriced and you can somewhat be able to start getting deals. You can go to, to channels that no longer, that did not work five years ago that are again working really well right now. And so the biggest problem that most people have <laughs> is that when you're investing, you're playing a game. And we all think we're playing the game of monopoly. And then all of a sudden the Fed changes the interest rates, which change the economic time and change the game. But most people don't realize we're no longer playing monopoly. Now we're playing a game of poker. And the faster that you can realize that we're actually playing a different game and there's a different set of rules, the faster that you can adapt to it and use a new strategy to go make money at that point in time. And this is something that even my own clients, the, the folks who've invested tens of, of millions of dollars with my firm, sometimes it's my job to let them know that the game changed. Because what most people don't know is that right now in multifamily, specifically commercial multifamily, we're going through a 2008 single family crisis in multifamily. Values are down 20 to 40%. There's a lack of liquidity, meaning there's a lack of available money available for these sellers to refinance. And so a lot of people are in really bad shape. We have a couple projects in our own portfolio that are stressed, but because we have capital, we're going to be able to weather the storm but there's a lot of people who can't so when we realize that we're playing a different game we realize that we now have to use a different strategy and we can go be super aggressive on our offers because we know some people are going to have enough to stress that we're going to be able to get a deal and be able to make it work in today's market
1: that is some great stuff so tell me a little bit about your fund how, do, how does that work for I have a lot of dentists, a lot of, you know, dentist attorneys, lawyers that are, you know, high W-2 income earning professionals, you know, successful entrepreneurs that do want to be a little bit more passive than self-managing STRs, MTRs. How does your fund work, Stephen?
0: Yeah. So the way that the fund works is we have multiple different funds. So we have multiple different products or offerings available to investors, depending on what you're looking for. So one example is if you have, let's say you're in a short-term rental property, you wanna sell it, you're sick of managing it, you wanna go more of a passive route, you can actually 1031 exchange your property into a project that's gonna be fully managed by our firm. And so you can take your million dollars of uh, 1031 exchange and we'll go out and find a project that fits what you're looking for. Another example is we have uh, this roll-up fund, the Denver fund, where we're going out and we're buying all these smaller multifamily properties and building, bundling them all together so we can sell to a large fund in three to five years who wants to write a bigger check. If someone's investing into that fund, they're going for growth, right? They're looking for what's, how can I take $1 and turn it into two? And so in that fund, it's like a 20 to 30% average annual return is what we're projecting. And so you'll take your money and you'll invest 100000 or a $1,000,000 into the fund. And then, you know, you sit back and you wait to collect a check. There's some cash flow, but the real reason you invest in that fund is so that you can have a big exit on the end. And then either 1031 that money and do a new deal or take your profit and be able to walk away with it. The third offering that we have is more of a fixed income product. It's just investing in debt. It's a note. So, you know, an investor will put up 100,000 and they'll get somewhere between an eight and a 12% rate of return. And it's a fixed return. So the, the range depends on how long you're committing and how much you're investing. And we've got different options for different people. So what we've realized over the years is that, you know, you know somebody might want to get income right now. That's all that matters to them. They wanna go more conservative approach, lower lower risk, and they just want a fixed payment so great we've got an option for that some people just want to know how fast can i double my money with the lowest risk and we've got an option for that and then of course for the 1031s for all that money that's just sitting that you don't want to pay taxes on how can you move it into something you no longer have to manage and so those are the three products that we currently have available we've got some stuff on the private equity side investing in businesses and some other things outside of multifamily, but We'll keep it real estate for this podcast.
1: right? I mean, those small business investing right now in M&A is even harder from a banking standpoint than real estate. I think a lot of people don't understand that. So the other side of the community here, Stephen, is a lot of people are in positions that you were in before you started your fund, right? What, what are, What's some advice? I see it all the time. Hey, I'm starting a fund. I'm starting a syndication. What advice or hurdles are they going to have to jump through that you would give to them Uh, if they are just getting started in either a syndication or creating their own fund?
0: I think the biggest advice is look around and find the people who are living the life and doing the thing that you want to do and find a way to get connected to them. That can be through reading autobiographies and great books of great leaders and getting inspired by them. It can be listening to podcasts like this, or it could be starting your own podcast. I started the Investor Mindset Show, which I've been interviewing hundreds of guests for the last five years, over a million downloads. And I really started that because I was getting so much value from listening to podcasts and reading these authors. And it was an opportunity for me to connect with these people one-on-one. And obviously it was great that, you know, millions of people ended up listening, but at the core of it, it's realizing that you're on a road and you know what that destination looks like in your mind and look around to find those other people who've actually gone down that path and get excited, get inspired, and then learn from those people so that you can stay consistent. Because the biggest mistake most people make is they try to go it alone. They're trying to start a business and they're doing it in their own little head and they're they're keeping their ideas tiny and small. And it, there's no problem there, no, not everybody needs to go build a billion dollar business, but if you're trying to go it alone, it's going to be a very lonely path. And you would need these other examples of people who fought through really hard times that keep you motivated and pushing forward despite what challenges you will face.
1: It's so interesting that you say that. I use the term standing on the shoulders of giants um, very, very often. And probably one of the most successful people that I've had an intimate relationship with. His name's Reg Booth, and he was my business partner in uh, another industry. We started glow-in-the-dark, glow-in-the-dark miniature golf courses and stuff in shopping malls. And he was worth just under a billion dollars going in, into COVID when we stopped the whole uh, glow golf thing. And, you know, he was one of the giants that I stood on. There's a gentleman here in Nashville that is a coach. And he's a former client of mine. His name is Michael Burt. I don't know if you've heard of him before. Mm -hmm. And Coach Burt says everybody needs a coach. And he's 100% correct. And I remember talking to Reg and almost every other person that I've ever met that's ascended to achieve their desired outcome. Almost nobody, zero people. Even Elon Musk has had people coach him and help him along the way. How do you as a human being stress that to people? Because that takes a completely different mindset to work with me or work with you or whoever coach, you know, Bert, whoever that is, when a lot of people do stay in that entrepreneurial, you know, I call it the dungeon because then they're, they're all alone and a lot of them won't even share that content or the decision-making or their thought process positive or negative with their spouses.
0: Well, it's just a mistake. It's a small middle-class mindset way of thinking. And so if you want to end up growing out of the place you're in. You're gonna to need to change what you think and what you believe. And the, the fastest way to do that is having a mirror, somebody who can reflect back to you what you can't see. I mean, I coach and advise a, a ton of different entrepreneurs and investors, both in real estate and out, because I've gone down my own path and I have things to share. And so I've also spent hundreds of thousands, if not a million dollars on coaching myself on getting in the right rooms with the right people. And so personally, I have a coach in multiple different areas of my life. I've got somebody in the fitness side who's keeping me accountable and helping me push to another level. I've got a great functional medicine doctor overseas and make sure that I'm operating at peak performance and being able to see the things that I might face down the road that I can start dealing with now. And I've always had a great personal development coach who is helping me understand and see where are those challenges from a mindset and belief perspective that could or are holding me back from what's possible, let alone on the relationship side and, and so on and so forth. But you got to have these experts. And an expert, maybe you're just starting out and you're thinking, hey, I don't have any money. There's thousands of different people who you can follow and learn from. A book costs $20 that, you know, somebody had made hundreds of millions of dollars and they're taking that wisdom and they're stilling into a book. So there's so many places to get this information. And then once you want to really turn on the fuel and be able to move much more quickly, then you'll want to spend the money and invest in having somebody in your corner who can help advise you and get you further faster.
1: I could not agree more. Um, I think everything that you've said has been 100% spot on. So if you guys are listening and you've never heard of Steven before, then I would start by checking out his investor mindset podcast. Um, That's how Steven and I got connected. I did his show. We struck up a friendship. I'm bringing him over here. I'm going to learn from Steven. I've been consuming his content. I follow him on Instagram. I, I love watching the reels and everything that he does. There's so much free content, Steven. I mean, just fuck YouTube podcasts. It's never ending. Right. And And the thing that I see is like, when I've started following Steven, it's like every single day he's putting out value. He's sharing his best stuff in micro doses because that's gonna be an easier way for most people to be able to consume.
0: When I really got started, Bill, I I just got back from a trip. I make a trip out to Y every three months. And I just got back from a trip, hanging out with my best friend for more than a decade. And he reminded me of the story of what I was doing when I got started. Every day I'd wake up and I'd have an earbud in my ear and I'd have a podcast or I'd have YouTube or I'd have an audiobook. And even without having money, you go to the library, you can get a library card in every city you visit, which <coughs> I have, and I can go to the library and I can check out an audiobook, regardless of whether I live in LA or Denver or here, it's available. And I had something in my ear running all day, every day. I went on a fishing trip up with my family. This is 10 years ago. And I had a podcast in my ear the entire seven-day trip because every moment I needed to be consuming new information so that some of that would stick and it would allow me to change my belief about who I thought I was so that I could actually step into the identity of an entrepreneur who could be successful. And I 100% without doubt believe that that is one of the reasons that I've been able to be successful and anybody can do it. But you have to start,
1: and you have to commit to it. Agreed. Stephen. what do you do when when you're flying? You live in Denver, right? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, so you got, what's so that, six, seven hours to get to Hawaii? You know, you're either going to Seattle or San Francisco or L.A., and then like five, five and a half hours to get out there. What are you doing on those flights? I'm cranking. I'm buying Wi-Fi as
0: long as they have it, and I'm working. And if I'm not working— It sucks when I'm... they don't have it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They they don't always have it, but most of the time they do. And, you know, I'm either working, moving projects forward, continuing to clear things out, or I'm studying something to learn. I'm at a different phase in my career where I'm not consuming new content all the time. Oftentimes I'm rereading or re-listening or restudying the same book that I've already read 10 or 20 times before, because now I'm going to stop you right
1: there. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I got to stop you. Nobody fucking does that except for high achievers. Why do you do that? Why do you have to read a book three times, five times, 10 times?
0: Cause I needed to shift from uh, I need to gather all the intel I can to, I need to master this. I need to become really good at this and listening to it once and thinking about it for five minutes isn't a way to master something.
1: Amen. I mean, it's Friday. If if I could get an amen on a Friday, I would, because (laughs) I mean, I look at my books behind me here. And I'm, I'll use this one as an example, because this was kind of the starting point for me. Almost every, every one of us has read this, right? I'll bet I've read this yeah. thing 11, 12, maybe 15 times. And I think too many people consume. The reason I asked you about what you do on a, on a flight, because I take notice of what people are doing on flights. I usually board, I'm one of the guys that likes to board first, right. whether it's a Southwest flight, or if I'm flying first class on American, whatever it is, but if I'm like that first guy to board on Southwest, I'll walk the entire flight. And I just want to see what people are doing. And you can tell, at least in my opinion, who the high achievers are and yeah. who the not so high achievers are. And the the not so high achievers, meaning like the adults, I'm not, we'll put the kids aside, they're the ones that are watching Marvel movies, you know, yeah. or the football game or whatever. The high achievers, which are usually up at the front of the plane are the ones that are working. They're the ones that have their iPad out. You know, I mean, if you fi- if you see me on a flight, you're probably going to see me going through LoopNet, Zillow, looking at data in AirDNA, SCR Insights whatever that is, but the person next to me might be watching, you know, Iron Man or whatever that is. Yeah. So I think you can see that that test and it's it's really interesting to me of how you and I, I guess I want to f- transition this into a question. What is a day in the life of a Stephen Pesavento look like? Now, I kind of want to wrap with this cuz I think I have a pretty good feeling that you're probably somewhere between Gary V, you know, and kind of how I manage my life because you are an extreme high achiever. Can you share that with me? Do you mind opening up that kimono?
0: Yeah, yeah. When I started, it was working all the time, nonstop, either learning or working, doing some self-care habits to really be able to crank. And now I've got to this next level where I realized the old beliefs I have aren't going to carry me forward. So now I'm very focused on self-care. So I'm waking up. I'm usually listening to something motivational. Right now, I've been listening to a lot of the Founders podcast, which is uh, autobiographies that are kind of broken down and and talked through. I'm getting information in my mindset immediately so that I can feel some direct motivation and be thinking about the right things. I'm then gonna go work out. I'm gonna meditate for 15 minutes to an hour, depending on the day and the meditation that I'm doing. Been really big into Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. It's been transformational. And then I'm sitting down and I'm cranking out some creative work. And then I'm getting into my emails. I'm making sure everything's running smoothly. And then I'm cutting the day at about six or seven o'clock at night. It depends. Some nights I work very late, but I've been trying to build back some balance because after a decade of grinding nonstop, I've been trying to find some ways to have some hobbies and enjoy some of the other things. But at the core, I'm obsessed with growth. So I'm always listening to something. I'm always finding some way that I can grow and learn. And then I do it again the next day.
1: That is awesome. For those of you that are listening, we're almost at 30 minutes. You know this never happens. That's just because Steven is is absolutely amazing. Make sure you check out the Investor Mindset Podcast or you can check him out at stevenpesavento.com. We'll have all of his links, all of his socials. You can follow him on Instagram everywhere that he's at inside the show notes. Steven, you have been phenomenal. Um, I appreciate you being on the podcast, dropping so much knowledge and uh, you know, just grateful. Anything that you'd like to say before we depart? Yeah, Bill,
0: it's it's been a pleasure. I think the biggest thing that I'll leave folks with is, there's been a lot of things we talked about today, but the biggest question I'd leave you guys with is, ask yourself, what can <laughs> I take away that I learned And actually start implementing or changing as a result right you just spent 30 minutes listening to a podcast maybe there are some ideas in here that you can take and start using or be inspired to go dig
1: deeper into
0: to truly make a change in your life
1: that's awesome everybody check out steven Pesavento on instagram the investor mindset podcast and stevenpescevento.com have a great weekend steven thank you so much my friend thanks so much bill
2: The STR Unfiltered Podcast is brought to you by MarketMySTR, the ultimate all-in-one marketing platform for short-term rental hosts. Are you tired of juggling multiple marketing tools? Say goodbye to the hassle and make your life as a host a breeze with MarketMySTR. Boost your booking rates and increase your revenue in no time with our powerful features. Our platform streamlines your marketing efforts so you can focus on what you do best, providing unforgettable guest experiences. Whether you're a newcomer or a seasoned host, MarketMySTR has got you covered. Elevate your short commercial business with Mark and my STR.
0: Thank you for listening to STR Unfiltered, where we give you actionable episodes without the bullshit.